Hey listeners, welcome to the She 2.0 podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Ramona. Um, Ramona, I th- you and I have talked so much about all these aspects of menopause, but one of the things we haven't talked about is how to talk about menopause. So it was super fun having this episode with Kelly Boss, who's a relationship and wellness expert. And I bet you a lot of you guys have seen Kelly. She's been on CBC, she's been on Global Morning, The Daily Telegraph, CTV, CHDH. She's everywhere. She's always talking about giving great relationship advice. So today in this episode, it was really great to have her join us. Yeah. um, Have a listen because Kelly really was great in providing more insight around how we talk about menopause with um, our partners, um, our children, and even thinking about how we can open up the dialogue in the work environment, which I think a lot of us think about, but actually don't really do. So (laughs) I found that part of it really interesting. And I hope that our listeners get out of this that um, we need to just stop, start opening the dialogue with everyone in our lives. Absolutely. It's the only way we're going to get support. And it's also the only way I think we're going to create healthier and stronger relationships. So our families and friends don't hate us. (laughs) Yeah. So stay tuned and have a listen to Kelly Boss. Kelly, it's so great to have you join us tonight. So great to be here. We uh, we tried a couple of attempts, so this is great to finally connect. You know, during COVID, podcasts, everything is really tricky, but podcasts especially, and, and like just to let our, our listeners know, Kelly, we did attempt a podcast with you back in the spring where you drove your car out and you kept pulling over on the side of the road for better reception. Do you remember that? Does everyone remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then the buttons were bad, and then I dipped the window, and then I think I lost power at some point. Yeah, we've tried before. <laughs> okay, so tonight we're doing this where you don't have power again. You're yeah, using, power. <laughs> you're using a flashlight, and uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, on to menopause. <laughs> yeah, to menopause. <laughs> Um, so Kelly, Ramona and I are excited to talk to you because you have so much experience, obviously working with relationships and the dynamics of relationships. And, um, we, you know, we talk a lot about the basics of menopause. We talk about, you know, the symptoms, we talk about our physiology, um, you know, our emotional state. But what we really haven't talked about is the actual conversation itself around menopause. And by the conversation, we mean, you know, it can be a very isolating experience. Yes. And so how do you talk to people so you don't go through this alone? Like, it's really important to have the support of the people around you while you go through this. And it could be your peers, your girlfriends, you know, who have similar experiences or aren't there yet, but are just you know, able to be understanding and not kind of shy away from the topic and make you feel kind of embarrassed. Um, It could be your partner, which we think is really critical that your partner, there there are these partner conversations. So your partner kind of is educated and understands. So you get some buy-in there when you lose your shit on everybody. Um, Also talking to your kids because you know, age appropriately, it's important that they don't think mommy is just crazy and they look back on these years and think you were the wicked witch. And then finally, employers, because we work 
in a world of ageism. We want to unpack these conversations and how to yeah. have them. Yeah. Yeah, Jackie, you're not supposed to ask all the questions at one time. Okay. <laughs> so I was reading a article from a couple years ago, probably like 2018, and they had they had interviewed 510 women. And out of that 510, an astonishing 93% felt their relationships had become strained due to menopause. So mm -hmm. I think it's a good place to start in terms of our intimate relationships, our relationships with our partners, whoever those people may be. Um, how do we cope with that discussion with our partners and keeping our relationship strong during a time where we're feeling so many different kinds of emotions. So I think it almost starts with yourself and starting to say, you know, this is happening. This is not something that only I can't work through. This is not something that's only happening to me because in a lot of these situations we tend to isolate, right? We tend to think it's only happening this way to me. Everyone else has got it together. And because it's a bit, taboo like people aren't talking about it so you think I, I'm doing something wrong I've got it wrong and so we're taking that into our relationships and sometimes not even sharing what's going on for us and taking it as a blame or shame like I'm doing something like I'm sorry I'm so nasty um, it's me it's not you and I think sometimes we just need to have that discussion like this is my body's through something I'm going through something this is big for me. This is a transition. Like other transitions you might have weathered in your relationship and being honest and upfront. And this is if, you know, if your partner's a male, obviously spelling it out on what it feels like. What are the symptoms? You know, being clear. Maybe even keep a bit of a journal to track it so you can give clear feedback on what's going on for you. It might also be helpful to say, here's how I need help. You know, this is some things, this is some practical things that you can help me with. Because, you know, often the, the topic comes up and people kind of scramble. They don't know what to do. Like, how do I help you? Well, here's some things that could help me. And everyone's journey is different. So even if your partner's female and maybe in the same age bracket, they might be having totally different symptoms than you as well, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we can't assume and we can't expect people to mind read. Um, we have to give as clear direction and as clear feedback as we can and saying, this is what I need. And also, you know, coming to that understanding of this might have been what's going on. A lot of this, I think, sometimes is 2020 reflection, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, not as in the bad year 2020, but as in, <laughs> you know, I says, oh, crap, I was probably going through menopause then when I seemed to be like flying down on my broom every morning because the kitchen was a mess or whatever, you know, mm, right. this is what was happening to me. And sometimes these conversations are happening, happening later. So we didn't even know how to talk about it, let alone share it with our partners. So if we are, you know, aware, and it's so good you guys are doing this, you know, having these open conversations, then we can open it up and say to our partners, this is what's going on for me. And you can give them articles. I mean, sometimes you might just like, wow, that article really spoke to me. Listen to this podcast, <laughs> the She 2.0, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, come alongside and, learn from what I'm learning from too. Well, and I think you bring up a good point too, is a lot of women often don't know that they are experiencing menopausal symptoms. And again, that's sort of why Jackie and I started this to educate women. Um, so they know what's about to happen to their bodies, but it is a good point to bring up because one, if you're in a same sex relationship, 
and you both are could potentially be going through it um, and you don't know you're going through it. I imagine that can be quite confusing for both partners. But then when you're in a, like a relationship with a man, I'm curious if you would have any further advice for men who are trying to support their significant other through this change. What are the things that they can do to support their partners? I mean, I think we can easily think of the things to not do yeah. <laughs> that comes to mind. Like, Absolutely. Oh, I totally get it. Or I also was really hot last night or whatever it is. Like you don't want to be mansplained on menopause. That's for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> but you right. know, maybe it's taking that curious stance to say like, I don't get it. Like help me understand and, and just being open to learning and not thinking about how hard it is for you. And, um, you know, because maybe like your sex life's gone down a little bit or, you know, you're getting snapped at a bit and, you know, that's, that's fair to have those experiences. And I think we can have open conversations about what everyone's going through, but I would definitely seek to understand first before you seek to be understood. And I think that's a good rule of thumb on it because it isn't your body. You might be having some, you know, effects, but I think as you say, like in the workforce, there's so many ways that you know, women are going to be experiencing the main issues of that. And so there is some collateral damage, but we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. But after you understand what your partner is going through and just, you know, asking how you can help, how you can support, you know, again, what you can do to better understand it because it's not something you're going through. I think the first thing I would say to any partner who's not going through menopause is don't say, oh, it's your menopause. Cause that's a great way to get a throat punch. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. One, <laughs> one thing women do suck at is, yeah, yeah exactly. we do suck at, um, and this comes up in my marriage a lot. Like um, we expect our partner to mind read, you know, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. But they should know that deep mm -hmm. down we're coming apart inside because of menopause. No, like they yeah. don't know that stuff. Yeah. So I think like to your point, it's really important to have that conversation and say, this is what I need. So like, you know, do your, do your own kind of um, research before you have the conversation where you come to the table saying like, you, you can't ask for something when you don't know what you want. You know, I need more patience. I need you to be on my side when I, when I lose it with the kids, maybe you could just remove them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. help yeah. me in Absolutely. these little ways where I feel better. Mm -hmm. You, and don't like, I think it also helps, especially with a partner. Um, it helps them to understand that this is not personal. And I had a really great experience with um, a male who lives on <laughs> my neighborhood who read a post I wrote where I felt this menopause shame because I'd lost my shit on everyone one morning and I was yelling and screaming and then one of them went to school, one went to work and I just felt like crap all day. And I wrote a post yeah. about how terrible I felt, the shame I felt all day. And he wrote a really heartfelt note to me and thanked me for saying that because he recognized that maybe his wife is going through perimenopause and she doesn't okay. even know it. And he just thought he, she hated him. And yeah wasn't attracted to him and everything he did was wrong. And I was like, no, no, it's not you. It's menopause. But that helps, right? That helps our partners to realize it's not them. Not all the time. A lot of the time it is, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good percentage in there. That's not. <laughs> Small. And you know, percentage. in women tend to 
carry the lion's share a lot in, in a partnership, especially if you've got a family and you're trying to juggle a career and we're always trying to do it all. And I found once I entered menopause that, you know, I, I felt like I couldn't mentally juggle as many things as I was used to doing. Yeah. And it really helps me when my partner actually makes an effort to jump in to things without yeah. me having to ask and that there's a little bit more compassion there and understanding that like, I can't do it all. And, and there needs to be compassion and understanding as well when we're talking about your your intimacy, things change when you're intimate. So it's like mm -hmm. finding new things that you guys can do together. If, mm -hmm. if maybe the other things aren't working out so well for you, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Problem solving, brainstorming together. Right. And if you, once you open up that conversation, then you can do that. You mm -hmm. know, just like know my needs. I'm not sure what they are either, but figure them out is not going to be probably very successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is important to raise, like, I think that's the thing, like, goes back to the beginning of the conversation. It's important to raise your hand and raise a flag, especially when you realize something's a little bit off with you, with your reactions, mm -hmm. etc. And just to say, like, hey, I, one of the biggest symptoms of menopause is you don't get sleep. So I'm a little bit crabby today. And Saturday morning, I'd really appreciate if I could just sleep in or, uh, you know, just, yeah. it, it, yeah. like, I feel like you, you don't have to leave it up to them to figure out how to help you. I think the easiest way to do it is to just say, these are the things I feel like yeah. would help me and we can revisit them later if it's too much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, the other thing that people often don't think about when um, we talk about menopause is how it affects the other people in your household if you have children. And because, you know, menopause is stereotypically thought to be, you know, for women who are, you know, late, late in life and potentially out of their, you know, childbearing years and often like empty nesters at that point. But that's actually not the case. A lot of women are enter menopause well before they're in their 40s and, and still have small children at home and juggling a career and that sort of thing. Um, do you have any advice for women with children and how how to handle the conversation with them about perhaps the way mom's struggling these days. Well, and what a gift too, right? Especially if you are having girls in your house mm -hmm. to be able to talk about this in a way that isn't shaming to introduce it as this is a stage of life, right? And this is something we go through. And this is something that mommy is you know figuring out or on a journey with right now and this can be you know for your boys and girls it doesn't matter but you know I think this is a gift to be able to be able to openly talk about what's going on but again I really feel like it starts like with this like aha moment like oh my gosh that's what's happening to me because <laughs> we yeah. just think the most impatient mom in the world or I can't get my stuff together again I'm alone in it every other parent is not being as off the handle as I am or getting more sleep or whatever it is and so being able to recognize that, again, is our first step. And then being able to put it, as Jackie said earlier, in age-appropriate ways to your kids, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe it, it will remind you a little bit in some ways of some feelings you had during pregnancy. And do you remember when mommy had Joshua and how I was really stressed and not sleeping? Mommy's going through something similar now. Or, you know, or um, 
maybe it, it can be shown in, you know, when mommy gets really hot or like it kicks all the blankets off daddy or whatever it is, you know, being able to share some stories and some symptoms and being clear about what those are, you yeah. know, again, if you're yeah. keeping your own journal, this might be a really helpful tool for you is just to notice your own symptoms because sometimes like finding those patterns and it makes sense. Again, not everything's menopause mm -hmm. or perimenopause, but some things are. And unless you're keeping track, you may just think, oh, I, I have a personality issue or I'm, you know, not coping with life or whatever we're thinking. And so I think this is again, a, a place where we can explore for ourselves and then take our kids on the journey by explaining, you know, what's going on. And, and, and this is how it makes me feel. And you know about big feelings and we talk about big feelings. Well, some of this is in the stages. I've got these big feelings again, similar to how you are. And I feel more reactive or, you know, just being mm -hmm. able to talk about it in a way that's normalized. Mm -hmm. I like the big feeling thing. Yeah. Cause we do have some big feelings. Yeah. I actually like, <laughs> I, I like that. I never, we never use that term with our daughter because we didn't struggle with that so much. We struggled in other areas, of course, but um, just presenting the idea of sometimes, you know, when you're, you know, you're growing up, you have feelings you don't recognize and they feel really big until you figure out what they are and then you can conquer them. I guess we could put it in that sort of terminology. Like I'm thinking of my nine-year-old daughter who yeah. knows that I have menopause, but, you know, I'm trying not to scare her about it. But sure. It's, yeah. it's hard because... I freak out and I get upset and then I explain to her later, well, that was menopause. Well, how is that not a negative message for her? It is a negative message. So I have to then yeah. sort of go back to her and say, you know, like your body's changing all the time. Like we have this growth chart on, on the basement door, you're growing and your body, you notice your body is different. Well, my, my body's still going through changes too. And so mine are just a little different than yours. I'm not getting taller, <laughs> but Things yeah. are happening. They're different. And women's bodies go through different things. But I'm trying to keep it as positive as possible. But I also don't mm -hmm. want her thinking that sometimes when these things happen, it's her. Like, I, I always hate that feeling yeah. afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's well, a great. And it, sorry. <laughs> um, and, it, and it also helps with the dialogue, um, like the positive dialogue around women health issues for okay. our daughters right is that you know I don't know how it was when you guys were growing up but in my household there wasn't really an open dialogue around women's health issues whether it was you know menstrual cramps or mm -hmm. you know contraception and you know even now menopause like those weren't things that were discussed in my home so mm -hmm. it's yeah, nice either. to be able to keep the dialogue open so that our daughters feel like it's okay. It's a normal part of life and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or afraid of it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. because like depending on the age of your daughter and I, I mean, we have these conversations with our son, but specifically for our daughters, we don't want them to be afraid of it because like for me and Ramona, probably you too, and I don't know about you, Kelly, but my next big conversation with my daughter is about her period in the next year or two or three. I don't want her to be afraid of that conversation because it does tie in yeah. with menopause. So if menopause is a yeah. negative experience, then that conversation isn't going to go well either. So, yeah. you know, it, 
Yeah. The other big one, uh, which I rambled on about in the beginning is, um, you know, we, we can talk to our, our partners and our children. And I think those are critical support systems for us. Mm -hmm. And also it's very important for family health that we have these open dialogues. So everyone is okay with what's happening, but, um, the workplace, you know, we, we are really facing a serious issue with ageism in the workplace. And yeah. I know I, I was practically in the beginning, but you know, like when menopause goes typically between like 45 and 55, that's typically the time, you know, a lot of women are moving into these leadership positions and they could be excluded from candidacy. candidacy. I can't even say that word being a candidate for the C-suite <laughs> if they are, you know, um, forgetting things, forgetful and having hot flashes or being emotional because it's not seen yeah. as menopause, it's seen as incompetence. And also yeah. um, I've heard that, you know, because of the ageism in the workplace, there is a lot of exclusion um, for menopausal symptoms in corporate health policies. So, we really are being <laughs> put out on an ice flow. So because women are, you know, in this ageist culture and they're showing signs of menopause, which could be anything from like a hot flash that you can visibly see or memory loss, they tend to be excluded from those opportunities. This is what I've heard. Um, but not only that, because of our symptoms, um, you know, which can affect us, can affect our performance. But there's an exclusion of anything related to menopause in corporate health policies. So really the workforce is not set up to understand or support us. And that can be very detrimental. Like I know that I've read stories about women who've actually lost their jobs because they were forgetful. They were late for a meeting or this and this and this happened. They blew up, you know, and I'm not saying it's appropriate that we can't control our emotions in a work environment, but it is super tough when you are going through menopause. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's an article in the New York Times. I read about it too. I think it's partly too, because you're trying to hide the symptoms. Like right. you're not leaving it out there. You're also the stress of trying to hide it. And it takes a beating on your self-image, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you think there's something wrong with you, again hopefully you're discovering what it is, but like, if you're just trying to hide it all the time and make, you know, excuses, that's exhausting. Like, wouldn't it be great to just say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. These are the, um, practical things I need that could be helpful in the workplace. Like I broke my ankle. So yeah. this is what's happening, you know, but it could, my ankle could last 14 years, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, just being able to lead and say, this is, I need some, I need to be considered some of the things that I'm going through. And here's, here's some solutions I'm taking again, understand yourself. What can work for you? If you're having really bad night's sleep, like, can you delay your days slightly? You know, are there some things that the workplace could set up that can support you? But again, being able to talk about it and, and a safe workplace is a productive workplace, right? Yeah. So if it's not, if it's not just you, like also as a leader, if you're a leader where you work or if you work with other women, being able to have some kind of honest, frank conversations about what's going on for you, what you need help with, um, being able to kind of normalize it as part of it, because there's a lot of 
women that work with women and we're still not talking about it in the workplace. You know, mm. <laughs> it's not just the male bosses because it's awkward or something. I think it's something yeah. that we all have to kind of discuss and, you know, and, and not be like that you're announcing some kind of Freudian hysteria that you, <laughs> you know, something real that you're struggling with. And, you know, again, being able to offer some solutions is really helpful for an employer, mm-hmm. but make part of the discussion. And I, yeah, think- I think it's important from a senior perspective, if you're a woman in, in a more executive or leadership role, um, it's almost important. It, it's, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it, it really is your responsibility as someone mm-hmm. in that role to start opening up the conversation around menopause and women. Um, because if you're in that leadership role, you're the perfect person to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They say that- learn from each other, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as a leader too, to Ramona's point and to your point, Kelly, like, any taboo topic will lose its power when someone with authority talks about it, right? And as a leader, if you have younger women in your company, you want them to know that as they broach this in their own lives, it's a safe environment. You don't have to be ashamed or hide it, and you don't have to be afraid of losing your job. And in fact, one woman I read a case about lost her job because of her memory loss and memory fog or brain fog. And she went on to work in diversity and inclusion, and she talked about the importance of adding menopause to the agenda. We talk about race, gender, and generational differences openly, but we need to start talking about menopause as well, because 50% of the global population is going to go through it at some point or another. And it isn't something we should be shamed for, or it shouldn't be held against us. You know, like you go into any work, and I'm sure we've all been there you know, someone's pregnant, we joke around about, you know, the memory loss and their cravings and how tired they are. Yeah. When you're menopausal, you can't joke around about that. That's seen Mm -hmm. as an incompetence on your part. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's one of those ageist things, right? Like women are ashamed because they don't want people to know that they're in that age bracket of when you experience menopause, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I yeah, think absolutely. the other thing too is that when you're pregnant, you're you're going to bounce back from it, or people think. But when you're menopausal, there's all this mystery about this life stage, and they don't know if you're going to bounce back. We don't know if we'll bounce back. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, like anything, you know, you can't. You have to live in the moment, right? You can't now live as if it's all game over or you, you know, didn't bounce back or this is going to be 14 years. You have to live in this is what I'm dealing with today. These are the uh, accommodations I need today. And I might not need them all the time, right? Some people go through, it's all so different for everybody, right? This is not something where you can just say, and by this amount of time, you'll be like this. And this is going to be the next symptom followed by this. And then you won't get this. Like, it's nothing like that. So we, it isn't predictable, but you can say what you need at this time and try and keep it mindful, try and keep it in the moment because we can't worry about how it's going to affect everything down the road. We just have to take the steps to manage. When we have a problem, we need to problem solve. When we're future predicting, we're using a cognitive distortion because who knows what future will bring, you know, you might be on the other side of some of those symptoms in a very short time. So why start planning and, you know, basing your life on something that hasn't happened. 
which we all are guilty of doing at times. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. though. So if you can't, you know, base things on what's about to happen or whatever, you should also not be judged for that because it could last mm -hmm. a year, it could last 14 years, it could be nothing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I guess lastly, but most importantly, we should really talk about the relationship with yourself during menopause, right? Because I think a lot of women get really down on themselves to time where we feel like maybe we're less than, we can't contribute the way that we used to if we've got, if we're struggling with memory loss or if we're tired or our, our intimate relationships are struggling because we can't have those the way that we used to, all of those things. What, what can you say to women as they're beginning to experience perimenopause or menopause and beyond? How can they find themselves again? Because they're kind of entering this new part of their life. Yeah, so I I think something that I've really discovered in the last few years, I think just works beautifully for a, a myriad of things, but including this discussion about menopause is self-compassion. And, and this is some amazing work by Dr. Kristen Neff. Um, I talk about it ad nauseum on my podcast, Talk Therapy Pod. We talk about it all the time because it just fits with everything. Um, the other host and I are all saying it, but self-compassion is really three main tenets, and I'll just briefly explain it, but I think, you know, do your own research and, and, and uh, by all means, uh, look some more up, but you can really start with three tenets. The first one is self-kindness over self-judgment, so trying to be kind to yourself and talk to yourself kindly like you would a friend. So often, we're just so hard on ourselves and should ourselves, and we blame and shame ourselves. But if we talk to ourselves like we would anyone else, even an enemy, we're usually nicer too about things. <laughs> that's very but true. That's the first way to start. Secondly, is common humanity over social isolation. So in our problems, be it menopause, be it forgetting to hand in an expense report, be it being late to pick up our kid, we go right to social isolation. We believe in that moment and we tell ourselves, I'm the only one that's not getting this. Why am I so screwing up? But the truth is around the world, expense reports are being forgotten. Children are being late to be picked up and women have menopause symptoms, right? Sure. <laughs> and everywhere. And if we can remind ourselves that, no, this isn't something faulty or broken in me. This is a stage of life that I have to navigate and we can talk to ourselves kindly about it, you know, proponent one, then we're going to do much better. And the last piece is mindfulness over over-identifying with the problem. So we don't now have to be menopause, broken woman and get stuck there and just be constantly like everything's excused on it. And just, you know, people are always afraid to show self-compassion because they're afraid to be too nice themselves. That's not part of it. You know, we're just honest about what we're going through. So mindfulness says, first of all, let me recognize what's going on with me and being mindful and, and note, this is really hard. This is a hard stage. These are difficult symptoms. This is difficult feeling. This is difficult losing sleep, whatever it is. And just stop there and say, this is hard. Because if I phone you as a friend and you don't do that for me and just go right to problem solving, I'm probably not going to phone you next time. I at least need you to say, whatever problem I brought up, that sucks. So we need to do mm -hmm. that to ourselves. We start with a simple that, this is hard, this sucks. 
Then we can go to the whole, I'm not the only one. And lastly, end with some kindness to ourselves. And the kindness doesn't have to be Pollyanna. That's okay. Menopause is great. It might be more, you know what? This symptom will pass. Or this moment, I, you know, this isn't going to be all the time. Or I can learn from this and grow. Or I need to take some steps here. A kindness to myself might be, you know, um, getting to bed a bit earlier or working on my exercise or whatever it is. Some common practical things. So I think self-compassion can really help. And I can't not do a therapist plug, but like, if you need to talk to someone, you know, friends are great and we could do so much and, you know, getting together with other women and sharing experiences, amazing. But sometimes it helps to talk to a professional Yeah. and there's therapy. I mean, like no other time you've got therapists available often with online in ways that weren't available before. Like a lot of people switched online. So if it's tricky to find your schedule, you've got maybe more options than ever before to talk to someone. And if you're really struggling to sleep, think, think about, there's a really great program called CBTI. It's for insomnia. It's cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, I run one at my clinic, but they're, they're all over the place. They can be really helpful for addressing sleep. Sorry, Ramona. Oh, that's great. Actually, I'm glad that you said that because I've not heard of CBTI and I know that many, many women struggle with sleep disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for for mentioning that. And also, yes, I agree. Like with the therapy thing, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I think it's always nice to have somebody that's not in your circle providing advice yeah. for you and, and, and just, you know, being that safe space that you could go to. And I think it would, it's really wonderful if women incorporate that as part of their like health routine. Yeah. Their self-care plan. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe across the board, a therapist is a great idea, not just for menopause, but for so many things. So it's interesting, Kelly, because I actually never really thought about it for menopause, but it is a really great idea because it usually is a situation out of our control. Yeah. So, and and we're all, all of our experiences are different. And I, I do think it's great to talk to friends if they're willing to talk about it, but I think we need to practice like some forgiveness, some, we need to ease up on ourselves because society paints a really grim picture of it. And we follow that path when it happens and we need to change that. Yeah. Even as you were talking, I was thinking there's that shame piece that sometimes makes it difficult to go to someone else. It's also where self-compassion is amazing because if we can give ourselves compassion, then we can, you know, start with that. But also if we need something more and we need to be talking to someone and it's hard to say like, oh, I'm just like yelly mom and I'm out of control right now. Like that's hard to admit like on the playground, whether it's common or not. Um, But, you know, being able to talk to therapists, it's going to give you that third party. That's not going to be like, well, you know, you should this or that, you know, can be helpful because sometimes when we see compassion out there, it can be very disappointing because people have their own stuff on, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Kelly, that was amazing. I th- <laughs> Sorry, I, I barraged you with all the questions up front. <laughs> Ramona sent me a text going, you're asking her all the questions up front. I'm like, well, I'll forget. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's menopause. You're not allowed to shame yeah. me, ladies. <laughs> um, oh, this was a really interesting topic, I think, because I know in my own marriage, uh, it has... Uh, likely been saved by a lot of open dialogue 
Um, and, and to your point, I actually did send my husband one or two articles about menopause and symptoms. And I think it was helpful in creating some mutual understanding and, uh, some forgiveness there. So, um, but you know, then, and talking to kids, super important. I believe, I don't believe we should hide it because otherwise they just think you're batshit crazy and you have to live with that image Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. But the work environment is really interesting to me too, because we fight ageism a lot. All of us do. And, um, it's, it's, it's not a fair label for us. And so I do think, uh, I think it's important to have that strategy in the work environment. So thank you, Kelly. That was a lot of really good information. Um, and Ramona, do you have any more, do you have any more questions, Ramona, or anything you wanted to? No, no, it's, it's been great. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. I'm glad we finally got this together. Right. <laughs> yeah, us too. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Kelly, um, if you're cool with that, we'd love to follow up with a Facebook Live in a couple of weeks where we will invite our viewers to listen to the podcast and come armed with any questions yeah. for you. And we'll do a half hour Facebook Live just to like uh, give some Q&A after this, if that's cool. I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Count me in. That's great. Right. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank we'll you. See you later.